0: I wanted to, uh, last year, all through February, we shut everything off and we let our team have a break. Uh, Amen, we all need a break every once in a while. Um, And so we did that. So I am stating this at 941, uh, so nobody can say I didn't say this, but we are not gonna be live streaming next week or after that for a little while because we're giving the team a break. So the video will come out. Uh, Nate will have a lot of work to do. after the service, but that's good, um, because Sunday mornings our team needs to be just not focused on whether it sounds right or whether it looks right or all that stuff, amen? We have a great team, but we all need a break, and so, uh, so we've had this discussion, and I believe it's the right thing, and uh, so if you watch us online, thank you, you're just gonna have to watch us on Monday, and, uh, and so change your schedule, or you could actually just come, and that would be awesome too, we welcome you here. Um, so, good stuff. I know that some people have work and some people have lots of things and um, it's just what we're doing for our team and I think it's the right thing to do. So, Well, uh, last week we talked about our strategic placement and about the church that Jesus is building and that we're not here by accident, that we are here uh, to fulfill what he's called us to do and that is to introduce the world actually introduce Jesus to the world, to connect them, to make that divine connection wherever we are. And um, yeah, so each and every day we are given assignments to share Jesus. Now, whether we do it or not is up to us, but we're given those assignments and uh, we're called to bring Jesus to men. We talked about that last week. And True evangelism is this: that Christ in us is the hope of glory, which means that when we come into an engagement with someone who doesn't know Jesus, that there is hope that rises in them and they actually see Him. That is the goal. That is what we're here for. That is the the ultimate calling on our lives is to introduce Jesus to those people and to them to Jesus. And I wanted to read a testimony. I, I like very rarely pull out my phone in a service unless I'm either Um, reading something from scripture, but I want to read this because I I received a text this week uh, from someone in the church, and they said this, and this isn't about me. I'm not saying that. It's about what I'm about to share. Um, They said, hey, Pastor Rob, I wanted to thank you for the message last week. I got to use it in my business uh, with one of my customers. He was saying how he was so frustrated with some churches that he had gone to in the past uh, over the past couple of years and uh, so he never went back to church and I explained to him that it's okay to be disappointed with the church but it's not okay to be disappointed with Jesus amen, amen. is there hope in that it's okay to be disappointed with an institution it's not okay to be disappointed with the one and uh, and so my encouragement to you I don't need you to text me that's cool I appreciate it and I like to share testimonies that's awesome but Is that happening for you? Because I guarantee there are people out there, I met one this week, um, that has been hurt, has been disenfranchised by the church, um, and my job wasn't to convince this person that church was good. (laughs) They'll have to figure out that, that community is good on their own. I just had to introduce them back to Jesus. And I hope that you're doing that, I hope that you're seeing that happen in your life, because those are the things that change our community. You know, our community is looking for something. They're hungry. Um, We don't have to give them church. We don't have to do that. In fact, I I was reading this week in um, a quote that I'm not going to tell you the book because that would just tear you up. Um, But uh, (laughs) this is the quote. Jesus said simply, I am the way, right? If you have found me, you have found the Father, okay? And this is the quote from the book. Unfortunately, the church has added a debilitating step in the process. Jesus is the way to God, and church is the way to Jesus. So come to church and find Jesus, and then Jesus will take you to God. Told you, I couldn't read, give you the title of the book, because then you'd be all tore up. We must never allow the institution of church to get in the path of Jesus leading people to the Father. Amen? So... So our goal is to introduce people to Jesus, and uh, hopefully they come and associate with a family that's healthy. Um, there's not a lot of healthy family examples out there in the world today, uh, especially if you turn on the, the TV, there's not healthy examples of family, but there are in the church, and we're supposed to be that family. So uh, I, I know that many of you have never stood where I'm standing this morning, and uh and Maybe you're never called to do it, but there is this thing where you study and you study and you study and then you come to the service and you're like, I don't know what we're doing. Um, so I'm just telling you, I know what we're doing. I know what he's doing, um, but we've got lots of scripture to cover because I don't know where he's going to land for you. How's that? I don't know where he's going to land for you, but um, there's a couple of stories that I want to highlight this week that um, I think really we need to address because of the hour that we're in. So turn with me to Ezekiel. I've been hanging out there this this uh, month here and in my private time, and uh, what a book! How many of you hung out there lately? And I tell you what, if you uh, if you don't you know build yourself up in the Lord, that can really, whew, some some stuff he had to say that man was very strong and and very uh, powerful, but you know the the position that Ezekiel was in um, not many people would sign up for in fact if you look through the Old Testament prophets like not many people would sign up for what they had to do but they were obedient and uh, and so he was called to share with the people of Christ the the body of the the Jews to share with them what the Lord was saying and I believe that we're in a similar position today that we are supposed to be hearing the Lord and sharing what he's saying. And we have an example of that in the New Testament. Jesus heard the Father, only said what the Father said, and only did what the Father did. So I think it's a good example. But I want to read to you the words that were spoken over Ezekiel as he was commissioned to do what he was called to do. Ezekiel 3, verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 17, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth. So he's hearing a word from the Lord directly from him. Not processed through anyone else, not processed through another. There's no filter that this goes through. And I believe that if we're going to be the church that Jesus is coming back for, the mature bride, we have to stop receiving the word through a filter. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Verse 18, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways, To save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if I warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. We have a responsibility to the world to share truth. Now often people come to the pastor. <clears throat> if you're a grandparent they probably come to you, but they come to the pastor cuz they want direction about something. What should I do about this? What school should I go to? What what are you calling me to? What's God calling me to? All this stuff, right? And they come to me and I have over the years matured my answer to He's with you. No matter what you choose. Now, if the Lord specifically says don't do this, of course we share that as leaders, but God is with you wherever you go and in whatever you do, so trust him. That's my simple answer to those who come. God is with you wherever you go and in whatever you do, so trust him. What commissioning Ezekiel had, he had to believe that God was with him And that God trusted him and that he could trust the Lord that whatever he was called to say was going to be followed up and backed up by the Lord. You know, I think sometimes we don't share the good news of the gospel with people because we have this question somewhere deep down inside of whether I'm on my own or not. And we know in our head That he says, I am with you. We know that. But then we get into a situation where clearly, I had one this week, clearly the gospel had to be spoken in love. Are we obedient to say what he's saying to say? It may not be comfortable. You may be saying to someone, This lifestyle in which you live is broken the thing that you're involved in that's causing all of your turmoil in your life is this broken part and the Lord wants to heal that are we willing to say what needs to be said so Ezekiel knew that God was with him and he was speaking to him and he says from my mouth I will share with you a word that you're supposed to share with those around you well the only way that I can hear pastor Sean is to be near him whenever he speaks So, there's a two part here. That number one, we have to know that God is near us. But number two, we have to choose to be near him to hear what he has to say. We have to choose to be near him. Now, if you're tasked with bringing a word, and if you go through the book, I'm just going to tell you this book of Ezekiel, just read through it and hear what he had to say to the people. You better be near and hearing clearly. And I believe that in this hour, our job is to be near and hear clearly so that we're speaking the right word in the right moment. The second thing you can know about Ezekiel was that he knew that he was chosen to speak a specific word, and no matter what the the word ended up being, he knew that he had to share it because if he didn't, he was at fault. What's God calling you to share? Who's He calling you to impact? Is it the person that walked into the business that said, I'm frustrated with church? I'm frustrated with the institution of church? They weren't saying that in a specific way, but that's what their heart was saying. And you get to speak truth that Jesus is the way, the only way, not an institution. Not only was he called to deliver tough news, but he was called to give the consequences with the tough news that actually went right along with it, whether they were obedient or whether whether they weren't, you have a choice. Now, I think sometimes we share with people the good news of Jesus and we expect them or We want them to make the right choice. I know that that's the correct way because Ezekiel would have said, I want them to choose correctly. But I think that we put too much weight on what their decision is. We're not responsible for the decision. We're responsible to communicate truth. Now, this is not a question that I want you to raise your hand. But how many people have shared something and you've been disappointed with the decision that someone made with it And you thought, I don't know if I can do that again. But we're called to share truth. Verse 17 says this, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. What is a watchman? One who stands and sees what's coming and warns those inside the walls. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth. God was calling Ezekiel to be a watchman because he was going to show him things that other people wouldn't be able to see because of his position and his placement. Now, last week we closed with, you're strategically placed in a position to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that others may meet him. Your position matters, not your title Many people look for a title. It's not your title, it's your position that matters. So, in essence, he was saying, by saying a watchman, I'm going to place you on this this wall, and I'm going to reveal things to you that others behind the wall can't see, and I want you to share what's happening. This impending judgment, this stuff that's going on. Now, if you start in one and go to 38 and you get to the great war, (laughs) you go through the dry bones in 37, you see that he had a tough assignment. And I believe that our assignment and the intensity of the assignment can actually fuel us to do what we're called to do or it can actually drain us in what we're called to do. I've met some people that are trying to make some decisions and their decision is based on the battle that they've been in, not what God's calling them to. And so, when they're in when you're in a battle and you're making decisions, I would say that the best time to figure out what you're supposed to do is not in the middle of the argument, husbands and wives. But to Remove yourself from that and then make a clear decision. But many people make decisions when they're in the stress of it, when they're in the battle of it, and they're making a decision with flawed viewpoints. Whether that's emotions or physical things, whatever, they're making flawed decisions because of flawed position. Now one thing that I I take out of this scripture and I'm like, that's amazing, is Ezekiel was not responsible for their choice. Sometimes we put way too much weight on ourselves about what the decision will be. Instead of just being obedient, to say the truth and let everything settle and let people make decisions, we often put so much weight on ourselves that I don't know if they're going to make the right decision, so, but no matter what happened, if you read through, and I encourage you to do it, take your vitamins first. It's a lot, but God was with him through every difficult word that he had to share and every consequence he had to describe because God is with you. God is with you through every decision that you have to make. So where are you placed? Not what's your title, where are you placed? And are you saying what needs to be said in this hour? You see, as the world gets darker, the truth becomes more light. But if you go over in the other building, we just put in LEDs and it's very bright. It's actually not fun to be in there for... For now, it's so bright. Sometimes being so bright with truth in a dark situation can be uncomfortable. But are you called to do it? You have to answer that for yourself. So what has God called you to do? Who's he called you to impact? Who has he called you to bring truth to? And then you say, how in the world do we pull this off and know that we're doing the right thing? Turn with me to Colossians 3. When we're, when we're navigating life, there's some things that we can put into place to know that we're doing the right things. Colossians 3 15 to 17 says this, and let the peace of God rule or umpire. Let the peace of God umpire your heart to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through Him. That's your litmus test. If you feel called to deliver truth into a dark situation, do you have this? Let the peace of God rule. Do it in all wisdom and teaching with a heart of love for the person and honor the Lord through all of it. That's how you know that you're presenting truth in the right way. Now, I've missed this. Anybody else? Like, I know it. Doesn't mean that I do it. And sometimes darkness is so dark that you just want to go fix it. And deliver truth no matter what happens. That's not correct. We have to hear from him, know that he's with us, deliver truth in love with a heart that's focused on teaching and training and admonishing the one who's receiving the truth. What a call we have, everybody! What a call we have. So turn with me to Revelation 3. This is where we're going to camp out for a little bit. So we have this call. We have this need to speak truth into darkness. We, We have this desire to see those come to Jesus that need him. And Jesus actually addresses something with truth in a way that is so controversial. But I think we can see what he's trying to say here. If you turn to Revelation 3, verse 14, and, the, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen and the fruitful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, verse 15. I know your works, that you are neither cold cold, nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I want to share a different perspective this morning. Now, I've always been taught that Jesus is saying that he would prefer us to be hot. And the thing that I could never reconcile in my mind is that he would want us to be cold more than lukewarm. I don't know if anybody else had that thought. To me, it was like, why would you rather me be cold than lukewarm? Because I don't get it. And so why would you want someone to not know anything rather than someone being lukewarm and knowing something and then backsliding it's what i always thought it's what i've been taught but i want to bring a different perspective this morning and i hope it makes sense to you but how could lukewarm be worse than cold you see i don't think jesus was talking about their spiritual state I don't think he was talking about their spiritual stake, whether they were on fire for him or whether they didn't know him or whether they had backslidden. I don't think he was talking about any of that. Now, I've heard it preached for 42 years that way. But I believe that he diagnoses their problem in this scripture in two different ways. Number one, he discerns a moral and religious half-heartedness. A lukewarmness that borders an outright indifference to the things of God. In verse 17, he traces this to their self-sufficiency because they were wealthy and they didn't need anything. We might think, or maybe you've been taught, that hot means zealous, lively, passionate, trying to come up with all these words, hardworking, Christians Maybe you've been taught that cold means unregenerate a pagan devoid of spiritual life that's what cold is right that's probably what you've thought Hot refers to spiritually active believers and cold refers to unbelievers See, this creates a problem in my mind whenever I read the scripture because in essence, Jesus is appearing to say that he would rather that they, somebody would be in utter unbelief than to have found the Lord and backslid. But I don't think that that's what he means. This is I'm not saying I'm right. This is just what I believe. I think that we have some pages in our Bible that we myths a lot of times that would actually help us decipher what God is saying, but we don't often reference them. And and I don't know in your Bible, but in my Bible they're in color at the back. And if we actually understood the topography of the Laodicean church, we might understand what Jesus is saying. Do you believe that everything is significant in the word? Okay, I'm gonna try to reveal something to you that might bring some clarity to what he's saying. The Laodicean church was six miles south of Hierapolis and 11 miles west of Colossae. You say, why in the world does that matter? I'm going to describe it to you. The Laodicean church lacked a natural water supply and was dependent on its neighbors for that resource. So the Laodicean church was rich, they had everything but they lacked water. So, in all likelihood, Jesus was not talking about their spiritual capacity or whether they were believers or unbelievers. He was probably referencing their location and their placement in that region. So hang with me. Remember, it's not about their spiritual temperature, it's about their placement. It's not about your spiritual temperature, it's about your placement. Rather, hot doesn't refer to on-fire Christians who are going out and making things happen. The hot refers to, Heropolis was a place where they had hot springs. And those hot springs were 95 degrees year-round. And people would travel from all over the region to go to the hot springs to receive healing because they had medicinal purposes to get into the hot springs. And when people would come to that city, they would come and rest in those pools and they would receive healing in their physical bodies. And cold, in Colossae, they had these wells that were filled with this water that was just refreshing for those traveling on their journey and the cold refers to i believe those wells of refreshing that were there to minister refreshment to those who came that were in desperate need of water so if this is what jesus was saying then the church is not being called out or rebuked for a spiritual temper temperature before the barrenness of its impact on its community. Not the zeal at which they're following what they're called to do, not at which the, the lack of love, no, 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 their effectiveness to serve their community was what he was rebuking. You see, Heropolis they had the wells and people would come from all over and they were servicing a need with what they had and people would come and be healed. And in Colossae, they had these wells that would give refreshment to those who were around. Their community would come and be refreshed. And he was saying, listen, I would rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold, but right now you're ineffective at ministering to your community because you're stuck in your wealth. So what happened was Rome built aqueducts. We know about those, right? Studied a little bit of history. And so they would actually, there, there are, when they excavated, there are aqueducts from these cities down to Laodicea so that they could receive the water from these places so that they had the sustenance of water. They had all the money, but they had no water. And they needed life-giving water But they had to get it from somewhere else. So the church, I believe Jesus is saying to the church, you are not standing in your place bringing refreshment to your people because you're distracted with your wealth. And so people are coming from all around and going to other cities because they have something and they're willing to discharge it for the good of the people in which you have all of this and you're not willing to share what God's given you. So, refreshment and healing. Those were the two things going on in the cities around there. And yet Jesus says, I know your works that you are neither Cold nor hot, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So what would happen is the wells from Heropolis would come through the the actual aqueducts and come down there. And if you look at the archaeology and what they've dug up, there were actually rocks that were put on top of the aqueducts because the stench of the minerals from the water actually smelled so bad they had to cap it off. And when people would drink of that water, it was bitter. So if you're in the right place and you're doing what you're called to do, then you'll receive refreshment, healing. You'll be able to give refreshment, healing. If you're not in the right spot, anywhere along the way of those of that, where it was actually dissipating the minerals as it was running through the aqueducts, it was dissipating the minerals, which is why it was so horribly smelling. It was actually purifying it before it got to where it needed to go. And Jesus said, "I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're in the middle and you're lukewarm, you're toxic." You're toxic to me, and I can't ingest, I can't be part of you, and you can't be part of me because you're not in the right position. Does this explain why you'd say, I'd rather you be cold than warm? Okay. So they're rebuked for this. Unless it's... The church of Laodicea is rebuked, therefore, for this, in less and less and barren nature, useless and barren nature of its works, indicative of its stagnant spiritual condition, brought on by wealth. So Jesus says this, you have become of no benefit to me because of your position. You have become, think about this, Jesus is saying you ingest things because they benefit you, right? You take your vitamins, you do your stuff, you eat good food to help your body stay good, you do all that for good things. He's saying I can't bring you in because you're of no benefit to me. Are you in the right position? Are you in the right position? And if I want to go a little stronger, he's saying I can't even stomach how you're behaving. I can't even I can't even bear to hold in my stomach the the distastefulness of your attitude. And I think. Because if you read through that, well, let's just read it. Verse 17, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. That's a statement. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to, okay. He's saying, this is your state. I think he was saying You're burning with desire for the things that do not contain me. I don't know about you, but you don't normally attain something that you're not desirous of. And so they attain a lot of worldly things, but they didn't have water. And they didn't have his heart because their position was out of alignment. So you say, why do you bring all this out? I'm just asking you, are you in the right position? Matthew 22 says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When the world tastes of you, what do they taste? Are they coming to you because you carry the one who is refreshment? Are they coming to you? Are you in that position? Are you divinely placed in that place so they can come and meet the one who is healing, the one who is deliverance, the one who is all in all? Or do they meet a person who's out of position and bitter? Are you in position? We often go throughout seasons of our life where position doesn't seem important. In fact, it can be forgotten. I remember in high school, like, I I didn't value that position of life, right? It was like, oh, we're in school. That's just what we do, right? But it was a position, And if we know our role in that position and we know whose we are, people will come to us no matter if we're five or 80. And they will find who they need. They will find who they desire. But if we're in a position, if we're in a placement and we don't understand our calling, then oftentimes they don't meet him at all. They meet someone that they can't even ingest. And then we have people, like in the text, who for two years have not associated with church at all because they got hurt. Because they didn't meet Jesus, they met the church. Who... Is the world meeting every day? You see, he so wants to be with you. He so wants to be speaking to you a word today that, is, that will shift a family. It'll shift a business. I, one encounter I had this week literally stood, when there's a whole line behind me, I stood and addressed this person for 10 minutes. Because they were broken, And they needed Jesus. And as long as they weren't trying to kick me out of the way, they were saying, I want you to talk to me. But how often do we just like pay the bill, move on? Help people meet Jesus. Help people meet Jesus. You're in A strategic placement to help people meet him. Don't look back and say, man, I wish I would have known this whenever I was 17. No, you're in a strategic placement today. And if you know your place and you know where you are currently at and you know what you're connected to, as Ezekiel did. You can speak the truth in love. You can know that the the response isn't about you. And in confidence, stand in truth to introduce people to the one who is the healer, the refresher, the deliverer. I don't know about you, but The world is so exciting. I see smiles around the room. Those of you who work in the world, it is so exciting. They're just pre Christians. I love it. They just haven't met Jesus yet. But we can be so comfortable. that we become bitter. You can become so comfortable that to the world you become bitter. Many people have said, we're in the final days. I believe it. Let's prepare for it. It's all good. But we may be here another bunch of decades. I don't know but what I do know is nobody out there really cares. You know what they care? They care that they've been hurt by someone or something, and they want to be whole. And if that doesn't just get you all juiced, I don't know what will. It's not about this, everybody. It's not about this. When you go, I, I've just asked the Lord this morning that when you go from this place that you will actually consider your placement wherever that is. Whether you're leading the widows, Wanda, or whatever you're doing, that you will consider the placement and where you are and that your job is not to produce something. The people of those cities didn't produce it. Come on. They didn't produce it. What did they do? They stewarded it. And people came and were touched and healed and refreshed. You didn't create what you have. It's not about you. It's about the one who is in you. The one who brings forth water from nothing. That is refreshing and healing to those around you. So my prayer has been this, that you would... not only understand that your call is to introduce people to Jesus, but that your call is to steward him well so that those coming who are thirsty and sick and in need of deliverance and healing would find him in you. But you have a choice. Ezekiel had a choice. Do I really share that with them? Because they'll probably kill me. You're called to a position, a placement, a divine place where you're called to share Him. Are you doing it? Will you do it? Do you have a desire to do it? You'll only get what you desire, you'll only go after that which you desire. And in doing so, I want you to remember that he's with you. You're not thrown out there on your own. He's with you. He wants to move with you. It's a divine mystery. It's a divine dance that we get to walk with him. Are you sitting on the sidelines? Are you willing to share what he's given you? You say, I don't have... That stuff. I don't have your gift, Pastor. I don't have the teaching gift Pastor Sean has. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Oftentimes, when you focus on what you don't have, you become bitter. Let's focus on what we do have Christ in you, the hope of His presence, His manifest presence. Would you stand today? I just want you to stand because. There's something going on in the church, not this church, every church I believe, the one that he's building, there's something going on. There's a divine repentance going on in the church that makes us attractive to the world. But you have to engage in it. You have to engage in it. You can't access this passively. You can't access it just through being close to it. You have to hear a word and say a word. And the text reveals the fruit that can come from that. Hearing a word, saying a word. Pastor Rob, you said this. I said this. This is what happened. That person may be in a church around here this morning. Who knows? But whether they are or whether they're not, whether they're not, they know Jesus. They they've they've know that he's the focus. Well, let's pray. Father, there are many positions and placements in this room. The head of the church has put his people in places to impact our world. Lord, I'm asking for a divine revelation for this house, that we would know how to steward your presence, that we would know how to share your gifts, and that to the world, we would introduce them to Jesus So, Lord, I ask you would fill us with your spirit. That we wouldn't be hung up with our current state. That we wouldn't be apathetic to the world around us, but that we would be empowered and excited and rejuvenated by those around us. That we would have impact. And that we would see your kingdom come. Father, we have lots of people in our church in this Summit family that are grieving this week. We have people who are struggling in many different ways, and Lord, I just ask that you would encounter them with your peace. And Lord, that they would not only encounter you and your peace, but they would understand that in this position for this day, that you are with them. And that if they're called to speak truth in the time of darkness, that you will be with them there too. So Lord, we give you this week all the things that we're supposed to be doing, all the things that we've got on our plate that we have made commitments to and we're gonna deliver on because that's who you've created us to be. We hand every single one of those things to you. Lord, help us to see you. Help us to communicate you clearly. Help us to hear your voice and deliver with amazing accuracy that can only come through the Holy Spirit, your truth. And may people this week find refreshment, may they find healing, may they find deliverance and wholeness in that divine introduction that we get to give them to you. Lord, I pray for an explosive passion in this house for our community, that they would find you in us And they would find hope in a dark world. And that they would know that they are loved with a love that won't walk away and that will never let go. So Lord, come have your way in each of us. Mold us, shape us to your will. That your kingdom would be spread and be known in this region. So Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your word. And we give all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Announcements. Wednesday's Widows Group is 11.30. Third Wednesday, 6.30. So Widows, you're going to be busy all day with us. Sorry. Sorry. Senior Life on the 23rd at noon. Have an amazing week. If you're here to give and the Lord has called you to give something, the offering basket's in the back. Have a great week. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app, And click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.